Welcome to episode 76 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary! Hey, I had to, uh, you know, when I was editing the last episode, I just kept hearing, you know. Uh, Is that me? Uh, no, it's me! Oh. I, I, move, I, I move this like <laughs> pop filter around because it's got a little bit of an arm on it. And I feel like, I don't know what, my hand maybe accidentally hits it, but every time I hear it, I go, there's nothing I can do. I can't take it out. And so I'm just like, God damn it. It was so I don't even notice it. Oh my God. I think I have the, I did not realize until we started recording this and editing it and having these headphones on and listening to our voices, how sensitive my ears are. And then I realized that it has been like this forever because any, if I'm in one room and I hear crinkling rapper in another room, like, what's that noise? (laughs) (laughs) Who's making that noise? Like they're so, they're very, they pick up on things. So now I hear that knocking on the microphone. So I'm going to really try. I apologize. I'll try not to, to do that today. So what's going on, Bish? We're well, at your house again. Well, oh yeah, let's get let's get into it. We had it. a surprise, 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 <laughs> surprise this week. We oh we well first of all somebody had a surprise and it wasn't <laughs> you, it wasn't Tina. So Thursday, so we record this on Sunday. So Thursday night, I'm at my house watching my son across the street run around the baseball field and have the time of his life, and I get a call from Tina, and I was on the phone. <laughs> So I was like, decline. <laughs> Sorry, Tina. And then she immediately calls again. And I was like, hold on. Something's, something's wrong. So I answer the phone. And Tina's like, girl. Girl, we're going for a ride. She's like, I'm coming to pick you up. Get dressed. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> she knows. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm omitting things from the story. And, and then I'm going to take, we're, I got a surprise for you. I'm taking you somewhere. I'm like, oh my God, this is so exciting. And my husband wasn't home yet. And I'm like, where? And I'm texting him, where are you? Like, get home. Tina's taking me somewhere. So here she comes. She's laughing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's been planned for three weeks. <laughs> and of course, my my only thought was like, I, uh, Ted. It Deutsch. was so funny, Ted Deutsch. I kept thinking about it's Ted Deutsch. He's there's a there's a show there's a, a show a, um, a, speaking somewhere. A fundraiser, yeah, yeah, like something's going on. Like she's arranged this thing because I'm obsessed. Still, I know I haven't mentioned him lately, but I'm still obsessed. And then I was like, no, because he has a fundraiser coming up on June 13th, which I know about <laughs> at the wharf in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. I'm like, maybe I should go to that. Uh, I definitely should go to that. Although, they, maybe they have my picture at the door. Like, do not let this <laughs> Don't person Don't let her in. Um, but then we went to the Brass Tap, which I haven't been to in forever. Forever. God, we used to love that place. Yeah. We used to have, we used to have uh, events there. there. I know. Oh, it was the best. And we walk in and I look over at this table and who's there, but I see Barefoot Lobo immediately. <laughs> immediately see Barefoot Lobo. I'm like, look at this guy. And then next to him <laughs> is Cody, which yes. is fucking insane. I like, I totally like almost fell over. I, the hell I think is I full of death yeah. podcast host together in wow. Florida. So insane. It was incredible. Like, yes. you know, there's this, it's one of those things that I, I never thought that I would ever meet Cody. Yeah. I love that show so much. Yes. And Cody, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but barefoot is very much like Tina. It's peace, love and happiness. And, uh, <laughs> and Cody's very uh, angry like me. Like he's very much like, <laughs> I don't know. I relate to him a lot. And so I just never thought that that would be something that would happen. So that was incredible that Barefoot and Tina had arranged like this weird, like they knew he was coming, but he was coming with his wife. Yes. And she was yeah, there he was too. Yeah, with his family. Yeah, and it was, it was, was lovely. lovely. Yeah. Whole, and and, and um, Bo, uh, Barefoot's wife was there. She's lovely. And his kids who I got Aww. to sit next to his daughter and like have 
Amazing his daughter is just incredible. <gasps> oh, I incredible. love her. I love her. So so mature. I was not. Oh my god. At that level, at this, no, at that age, I was thinking the same all. thing. My daughter's not the same way. Where I'm like, how does she know all of these things, or they pick up on things that yeah. you never thought that they would? Anyway, what a lovely night. Uh, so thank you, Tina, for Ooh. that. And then we had invited them to come record with us today, but they're not here. They're not here. And I know where, one thing about Barefoot. Where that, are you? Yeah, and I know Barefoot doesn't like to disappoint people. But you're going to have to live with this one barefoot because I'm disappointed. (laughs) I'm disappointed. But listen, the show must go on, Tina. We have other things to do and to talk about. Yes. Um, So hold on. Let me go back to Well, I got to tell you one thing I wanted to mention. And I've seen it. So many people have posted about it. But the Paxton Smith, who was the Texas high school graduate, giving her valedictorian speech mm. and slamming that Texas abortion law. I was, and, and she pulls the speech out, yeah. <laughs> like out from her gown. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Especially after reading an Atlantic article today that just mm. talks about how a lot of states, red states are really fighting it back against federal, mm-hmm. you know, what, what the, the federal government is passing and doing, which is a very, pro, you know, more progressive and, it's frightening what's happening. So it makes me happy that young people in these states are trying to fight and speak out against it. Yeah. I can imagine too, that you feel a little less alone when you hear somebody saying those things. And, and, And she's speaking to a crowd that was pretty big and, when she would take a pause, you would hear cheering. And I was like, okay, well, at least, you know, this is happening. And, and they had, she had a pre-approved speech. Yes. That she did not do. She totally bamboozled these motherfuckers. I loved it too. I loved it too. And I got it. I could see my daughter doing something like this. I have to tell you, I could totally see my daughter being like, this This is is, what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. It it was very brave. Oh my gosh. Um, and I mean, especially like where she is and the state that she's in, it just was amazing. And I, it just gave me hope. Yeah. It gave me hope because it's, it scares me in these states because we don't know what the indoctrination of kids mm-hmm. are. We don't know the influence mm-hmm. of all of this and that, that there are young people that are saying, no, this isn't what we want. And we need to listen to young people. We do. And here's the other thing is that we're older, not old. We're older, yes. you know, out of high school. <laughs> um, <laughs> just, a, just a few moons. Just a little bit. Just a few moons out. Um, but to hear her put it in the context of this is my life. My These future. Are the plans that I have. Yes. I've, all the girls and the young women who are sitting here today have been working very hard yes. at, to get where we are. And for and men, this, yeah, but, for men and, but this to come thing, along this, and try to not give them power over themselves. Mm-hmm. But being pregnant and not being able to have an abortion would ruin their futures. Right. And, that I think in that context too, it's one thing for us at our age to be like, this isn't right from the context of like, this is a young woman whose entire life would be, would, I'm, I don't want to say ruined, right, but would be shifted in a direction that's not right. where she wants to go because of these laws. It's, I think it's an incredible, incredibly powerful statement and a necessary thing that needs to be yes, heard. And it's six weeks. I mean, and, and she says it in the speech, you don't even know that you're pregnant yet. Right, right. And it's an embryo. Yeah, that's what they just passed in Texas. A six-week uh, ban on abortion. It's not a fetus. Mm-mm. It's not a baby. It's an embryo. Right. Like, just stop it. Stop it already. Yeah. 
It's not going to stop. And and the Supreme Court's going to be now reviewing an Alabama law, which oh, is really I, dangerous. I, it's, it's after after everyone saying that Kavanaugh should not be up here, that that what's her name, the Coney Barrett Barrett should oh, not be please. up here, and the and all of those senators in the in the uh, all those. You know, what they're they, all hardcore Catholics. Oh, abortion's PS. not going to come up. Abor- yeah. Abortion's not going to come up in front of the Supreme Court. Of course it will. Give me a break. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And guess what? The Democrats dropped the freaking ball on it. <laughs> Tina, they, add that to a shirt. Yeah. I was talking. They oh, dropped. I mean, you know. the, the judges, the judges across the country, not just SCOTUS, and we let it happen. Yeah. We let it happen because we're just thinking about seats and we're not thinking about the impact of, of appointments right. that are lifetime appointments across the country. Mm-hmm. We're screwed. Uh, I know that. I know we're Where screwed. Where are we going? Yeah, everybody needs to get on the same page because the, the problem is too is this. The folks in power who could maybe start making plans to change all this bullshit aren't doing jack. Not fucking, not fuck all. They're doing nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And uh, bring it something up. And I know you're going to sit here and you're not going to say anything. And that's okay. You don't have to say anything. But the, we talked about that fucking weighted vote a couple weeks ago. Yes. And I said to you, I wonder how the two state reps for Broward, the Broward Democratic Party, voted right. for this. And I found out yesterday, after they ran for re-election, and they said they were against this weighted vote. Now, do you need me to tell you about the weighted vote? I'll tell you what it is. The weighted vote is this. It's basically like an electoral college. That's how I understand it. So because Broward County is so blue at the state level, the Florida Democratic Party, the two reps here hold a lot of power. Same thing in Miami-Dade. So collectively about six reps from across the state who rep all these different county parties could pick the next leader by themselves. Right. Of, of the, the and, and yeah, this is for That's the Florida the vote. Their vote party. weighs heavier, right, than other people, other counties like northern counties. So this is a problem because it's not good representation. You're not representing the whole state. The whole state's voice, their voices are not heard. Right. And so, and not to mention, I'm 99.9% sure that the, the national party doesn't allow the weighted vote. So Florida's Democratic Party had this weighted vote. They're not supposed to have it. Right. They're not supposed to have it. Okay. And of course, what you're asked to get rid of it, you have to ask all of these county reps to vote against it, to get rid of it. Now, why would anybody who holds that much power want to get rid of it? It's like asking for term limits. Why would these assholes ever put term limits on themselves, right? Well, they better. Well, they need to. They need to. Anyway, I said a couple weeks ago, I really wonder because when those two folks were running in December of 2020 saying that they wanted to be reelected as a state reps who had been the state reps here for years in the most powerful county right. in the state for the Democrats, they said they were against the weighted vote. They would get vote to get rid of it. Oh, fucking great. And uh, the people who were running against them were trying to hold them accountable. Thank you for trying to do that. Yeah. And put them on the spot, and they said they would vote against it. Yep. Here comes the vote. Guess what? They, they voted to keep the weighted right. vote. And to I keep know, it. Right. And I know, you know, playing devil's advocate with the yes, other side okay. is... And I'm not completely sure with what the new voting system is, but I know that they, one of the issues was to make sure that there was proper representation of people of color and that by eliminating the weighted vote, this has, you know, lessened the voice of people of color. So I don't know how the new system is that they all have the same number of votes. I think they do. I don't know how to fix that issue. Okay. Well, here's what what happens now is that now what happens is instead of Broward, 
and all these other counties having two reps, there will be multiple people. Okay. So there will be a, 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 a group, like let's say there's now 20 reps from Broward and they all get to have their own vote. vote. They don't have to vote along with each other. It, so, so, oh, okay. and that happens in other counties too. There's more people who represent the county instead of two people. Okay. And from what I understand, and I know the Northern counties are more, are more white. Right. I get that. But, but then that means, that, that means we need to do work us. in those That's right. counties. And the get, impetus is on those yes. counties to get more people of color involved. Yes. And I understand, I understand that side of it. I, I know the new system isn't that great, but we have to, we are supposed to be fucking Democrats. Yes. We're supposed to be more inclusive. Yes. And, and, and even because when white people in the room, there's anti-blackness there. I completely understand that. But then we have to go out of our way. And the people who've been holding the power forever and refuse to allow others to, to try who are usually people of color. That's a fucking problem. That's a problem. So, so instead of a white man saying like, Oh, well, you know, we need more people of color. Then why are you still there? Yeah. Step down, find somebody else who's a person yeah. of color instead of trying to hold on to your power for as long yeah. as you can. How and, about that? And there's How about no, that? I guess, term limit on these positions. No, that's, that's the other thing. But I don't understand. Everything else has a, like when you sit on boards, there's, there's terms to them. And like the, you only can sit a certain amount of time. Why are these positions because it's, it's indefinite to me? It's this, it is trying to hold on to power forever. And also it's an incredibly selfish thing to do. There are younger, progressive yes. people of color, LGBTQ people who want to, to take the reins and can take this party to the next level yes. and beyond what we've been doing because we've been failing for 30 fucking years here. Yes. So how about your way isn't working? Get the fuck out of the way. Get out of the we way. We say it all the time you, and they won't. We're losing because of you. We're yeah. losing because you have no vision and no plan for this party. And our children are suffering. Our bodies they, are fucking and, under attack. Get the fuck out of the way. Right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so fucking pissed about this. No, I know. Because they lied. They fucking lied. And nobody's going to say anything. And they're going to use this thing, what you just said, as an excuse. It's a fucking lame excuse, by the way, because if that's something that mattered to you, then you would not have run again. Right. And you should go. Ha and if you are so powerful, go have conversations with all those people in those northern counties right. and help them find people of color and, to sit and marginalized in those seats. groups yes. to sit in those fucking seats. Why not? I mean, get the fuck out of here. It's just about rubbing elbows and that's being right. in this community. Yes. You know, yes. uh, in the political community, and that's know. it, and it's that's yeah. it, and that's it. That's right. And if they, it, and I and who cares about that? And there's one person in particular, and I'm not going to say his name, but he knows a, t a shit ton of people in politics, all from that for the federal level all the way down. And at these fundraisers, he's able to pull, pull this person and pull that person to come in and help Broward fundraising. You can still do that without being this right. person. So like. Pass the baton right. and then don't abandon mentor, the party. Be a mentor. That's right. This is the party needs mentor. you to do that. And nobody has those conversations, not with electeds, right. not with rep, like any kind of county rep. Well, nobody ever says, you're not the right person for the job. We need your help to get these per people to be right. successful. So step aside. Step aside. And we've talked about this before about the building of benches because yes, we, know that the, we know that the Republicans yeah. know 20 steps down it's like they're playing a game right yeah. they're playing what this is the sports games of politics and they have their strategy and they're like oh he this guy's going to time out this one's going to move up and we're going to move him here and we're going to move him here and they have it they yeah. see it yeah 
And we don't do that. And if they don't deliver, they are taken out. Right. If you don't deliver on what we it's think like, you can do, right. and you we, are there, pushed there aside. Are so, think about all of the amazing people we know in Broward, mm-hmm. young people that oh, are it. incredible, that could move into some powerful seats in the state. Mm-hmm. If anybody would just go, wow, we need to tap this girl yeah. and she's got to move up the line. Like, yeah. This is what we need in 10 years. Imagine her in 10 years in this seat. You know this, we don't you know do who it. does this? And I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. We need now. to do it. Do you know who fucking like, can does we that? Start, can we start some... What, what, what do we need to start here well, to make this happen? But do you know the one person I can think of that I know does that is Emma. Yes. Emma Cullum. Emma. She meets women and she's like, oh, you should be doing this. Yes. Oh, you should be doing that. She oh, is should. very great and at that. And she opens these doors and introduces you to all of these people. She shares the wealth yes. you know, in, a, in a way. Like shares yes. this power that she has to make those phone calls, to introduce these people, to encourage women. Right. And thank God. She's on Ruthless thank Florida. She God. runs Ruthless Broward, which is an amazing organization right. that elects pro-choice um, women to office. But this is women. what we need, like an army of Emma's statewide to yes. make this happen. She's not afraid to say yeah. these people should be in power and I'm going to help them do it. She's not afraid right. to share the, that information and to share that power and to say, you need to call this person, this person, this person right now if you're right. going to run for that seat and introduces them. Yes. To, this is what we need to do. Yeah. And not, it's so ego driven and it's so egocentric, this whole entire thing. But it. it is winning and it is losing. Yeah. And when we lose, it affects millions of people's lives. Right. Look at this last legislative session. Ugh. Any Democrat in an elected position at a county or state level should be fucking embarrassed and ashamed because they have, did not fight hard enough. I am sorry to break the news to you. We lost huge. Yep. And not just in November 2020. In this legislative oh, session, we have yes. ruined fucking lives. Ruined lives and made lives harder. That's what we've done. We made corporations richer and people's lives harder. So no, I'm done now. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. You don't, you're not going to fucking stick with your word and how you run on something. You, you fucking lost every ounce of integrity right. I ever thought that you had. Right. And how are people supposed to support you and want to even support the party no, when there's no trust? T- and I said it on the Cindy Polo little muck and I'll say it again. I have no faith in it. And, and so we were talking, you told right. me about this Atlantic article before we started uh, yes. recording and you're like, what are we even doing here? I said, I don't even fucking yeah. know anymore because I let's, I'm 40 fucking three. I can't wait 30 years with the democratic party. I'll be a grandmother by then. Right. Oh God willing. Uh, you know, I can't, <laughs> like, I'll be fucking 73 by the time the 73 democratic- will be, will be, you know, uh, our houses will be underwater. Yeah. We'll be on these little canoes, yeah. canoe into each other's yeah. house, living in trees. <laughs> oh. Remember when we used to have a house, Tina? Oh my like, God. I don't have time for that. I'm not fucking dying here in this heat. I'll tell you right fucking now. I'm going to go somewhere they actually care about people. God, it's not the state that? of Florida. Yeah, no. God dang it. All right. Well, anyway, okay. so anyway before we start, God, oh. that's 20 minutes. Let me just okay. say this is that. Uh, please go listen to Little Monk that came out last Friday with Sarah, Sarah Leonardi. She's amazing. I've listened to it like five times because she's so fucking cool. And she, uh, I know she doesn't think she's cool, but she's really fucking cool. She really is. And she is such an amazing. She's re- like she is someone who this is what I said and this is and I'm doing what I said I would That's do. Right. Yeah. And she goes into school. I mean, I said this on Little Monk that she goes in and highlights all of these really cool things in schools that people think are like crap schools. And I'm blown away. Like, wow, that's such an amazing program. Or, oh, look at what this kid is doing. And 
look at what school this kid is going to like all of these amazing things like let's that's what we need to be doing as a community Mm -hmm. is getting people to just continually uplift our public schools so that uh, that these people who have sort of fled out of them go oh my god well I want my kid in that program you know and 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 start seeing the value of what these public schools really do offer our kids and and she and she is like just this wonderful sort of beacon of like hey look at what the schools are doing and I love that I love it too. She's amazing. So check that out. Yes. And um, we're recording another little muck today that I have to tell Ooh. you. I I'm am excited. fucking excited. I'm thrilled because this person, mm-hmm. as much as like one of the things I hate more than anything is when after a legislative session, you go to these wrap ups and, and they, it's kumbaya. Oh, let's tell you all yeah. about all the things that happened, <laughs> but because we're, uh, Democrats are in the my, uh, minority here. Oh my God. I almost said my jo- majority. Oh, could dream. dream come true. Dream. I almost fell off my chair. So the, the, we're in the minority, but this person I saw at a legislative wrap up and he was like, yeah, it's fucking horseshit. <laughs> Basically, I mean, that's, that's not word uh, for word, but it was just no, like, yeah, here's was, all the yeah. shitty things that we could get done. It was garbage. It was trash. Yeah, yeah it was And he great. wasn't blaming Republicans. He's like, nope, we're not in power, but these are the things we could do to try to minimize yeah. the impact of these horrible bills. Yeah. Um, it was great. Bobby DeBose. And so Bobby so D. He's running for Alcee Hastings Congress, uh, U.S. Congress seat. So yeah. I'm really excited. And he's he was the minority leader in this last session. Um, oh, I can't House. wait to hear... Me too. I'm From so him. fucking, I'm so, I'm so stoked about this, Tina. All right. All right, you're first. Let's go. Okay. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of former Wyoming Senator mm. Lester Hunt. Okay. Lester Hunt served in the Wyoming House of Representatives and as governor before winning a U.S. Senate seat in 1948 and served as an outspoken critic of Senator McCarthy's anti-communist witch hunts. Whoa. But Mm-mm. when Hunt's son is arrested... McCarthy makes threats that lead to a tragic end. No. Yes. Ooh. So I will, there, there might be a little trigger warning later on that I'll okay. get into. But our story begins in Wyoming, but ends in D.C. So I'm going to, of course, go into some background to give you a sense of not only Hunt, but sort of the political climate that was kind of happening at the time. Mm-hmm. So according to his U.S. Senate page, Hunt ran for office back in 1931 he was actually a dentist at first, hmm. and then he moved into politics. And a couple of the stories that I read was essentially uh, his son needed some kind of bone graft or, or, or surgery, and he you know, gave some of his hip bone or oh, wow. something. And the result of that surgery, he had trouble staying on his feet. And as a dentist, you know, you're on your feet all okay. day. And so, but he was like, you know, the president of the dental association, you know, he was like very involved even within like the dental world, I guess. And then kind of, he moved into politics from there. So, but you guys can like deep dive into like that whole part of his life. In 1932, he took his seat in the Wyoming state house. And according to Roger McDaniel's Wyoming history piece, he made a name for himself early for his oratory skills and for doing his homework. Like he just knew what he was talking about. He always like came prepared for Mm -hmm. everything and people kind of appreciated that and they recognized that. So they tapped him for a statewide office, which led him to running for secretary of state Mm. in 1933 for the state of Wyoming. And he won and he served two four-year terms. Then in 1941, he ran for and won the governor's seat. Wow. And he served two terms as governor. Again, um, he's a Democrat in this highly Republican state. And he was very popular. Yeah, very, very popular. Very well liked. And that led him to running for a U.S. Senate seat for the state of Wyoming. 
But also what, Democrats in 1941, is that when he won the governorship? Yes. Is different than Democrats now. I mean, even in Republican state, wouldn't you say? No? No, he's pretty progressive. Okay. Yeah. So he was elected in 1948 to the U.S. Senate. And like his previous positions, Hunt's uh, work ethic lands him certain appointments. So, for example, McDaniel noted that he served on the Special Committee on Organized Crime because that mm, was big back yes, then in the 50s. love it. And he was also part of a committee to investigate war crimes from German soldiers out of oh, wow. World War II. Yeah. So throughout Hunt's term as senator, as I noted, he was critical of what we now term as McCarthyism, mm. which centered on using fear mongering based on unfounded allegations that led to folks getting blacklisted from jobs, even though, as we've learned, many weren't part of the Communist right. Party. Um, and we know like the way that this worked was if you confess to being a commie to avoid punishment or retaliation or loss of a job or whatever it is, then you name someone, right? Well, then, right. you know, I'm going to name this person, this person, this, and then they oh, go to that person and they Jesus. name names and it yes. just, right? And of course, which is, and I know I talk about this play all the time, but it's reflected in Arthur Miller's The Crucible, mm -hmm. which is the allegory to all of that. So as noted on his Senate page, Hunt was this progressive liberal from a pretty conservative state and as a senator, he did not shy away from calling out McCarthy's bullshit. Mm. In fact, his U.S. Senate page notes that he called McCarthy an opportunist, a liar, and a drunk. Dang. Now. Drunk. That's, low. <laughs> That's a little low. <laughs> now, a guy like McCarthy yeah. wasn't going to take that, right? Uh, no. So he's sort of like Trump. Uh, these guys have mm. to get their revenge somehow. Yeah. And many people blame McCarthy for what happens eventually to Hunt. God. So... Before we get into the major incident, we're going to kind of look at the catalyst to the major incident. And this is taking place in the early 1950s. So not only did we have the Red Scare, right, against the commies, we also had the Lavender Scare. Right. We talked about right, that. Which we've before. talked about before, which was happening. And this was in the U.S. government where folks were being interrogated on their sexuality and mm -hmm. being forced out of federal positions. Yes. If someone was suspected of homosexuality or even if they knew someone was gay, yes. right? It, it's just so awful. And then also on the state level with teachers. Right. And like, yeah. It was just happening all over. Um, mm. And that's why it's like when people are like, why do we need a whole month? Like, why? Are, yeah. It's like they don't understand what pride is about right. at all. Right. At all. Mm. God. They, like, we need to acknowledge what other people went through, what they fought for. Yes. So what does this have to do with Hunt, Right. Well, in 1953, Hunt's son solicited sex from an undercover male cop oh, God, no. and found himself under arrest. Oh, God. And according to Ben Starrow, the officer was part, and this is really disgusting, that the officer was part of a vice squad known as, quote, the pervert elimination campaign. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Yes, I can. <laughs> I mean. It's so, it's so, so awful. Well, it's just this lack of, uh, you know, understanding. We were having right. this conversation it's, it's with, just, with Barefoot's family the other yeah. day, you know. It's like, thank God we live in a time when when there's an acceptance yes. level that is greater than it's ever been in our history. Right. And that we we can, you know, it's just so fucking insane. It's insane. So and it's not that long ago. It's not that long ago. No. And so while this isn't Hunt directly, it's close enough to cause a scandal because of the time period that of he's course. in yep. and for his enemies, of course, to use against him, which they did. And this ends up sort of leading to the major incident. So initially, Storrow reports that the charges were dropped against 
Okay. Hunt's son. Great. But when Stiles Bridges, who was a U.S. senator out of New Hampshire, and Herman Welker, a U.S. senator out of Idaho, get word about this arrest, they want to know why the charges are dropped. And they go to D. They like, because this is happening in D.C. And they're like, what happened? Why were the charges dropped? Were you bribed? Did someone pay you off? You know, like they're trying to get some dirt. And they're like, no, like nothing happened. But they see an opportunity here. Of course. And they try to take it. So they try to get the cop in charge to change and get the charge reinstated. Can't do it. Now it's over. Come on. Well, no. Uh, So the charges get reinstated. What the fuck? Hunt Jr. is recharged. He's convicted. What? And he pays a fine. So... Yeah, but now it's on his record. It's a whole thing. Now it's all on the record. God damn it. Bridges and Welker then use that arrest record as a means to pressure Senator Hunt to resign. So they're like, look what we got on your son. If you don't resign, if you don't step down, like we're going to spread this everywhere. Then spread it, you piece of shit. Right? So Starro further reveals, (laughs) this is a little interesting tidbit, I guess. Allegedly, they told Hunt, resign or else we'll publish this story they, they told him that we're going to print 25,000 flyers and just like distribute it all over DC. What is this, Russia? They're but again, I know. The fucking plane? I know. But I guess at the time, like it's still. Of course, it's it not would like be today. embarrassing it, it and humiliating. I get it. And so. And God forbid he's like, my son's gay. Go fuck right, yourself. Like, right. Why would he, no, he's not going to do he's that. He's not going to do that. No. So they even somehow worked it out for Hunt to. They were like, look, we'll give you a gig on the Federal Tariff Commission with the condition that you never run for Senate seat again. Because Jesus. they want, because right now it was like very evenly uh, split between Democrats and Republicans and they want that seat. They want that U.S. Senate seat to be see? Republican. Do you see how far these parties yes. will go? This yeah, is what I mean, they're doing to, to people. It's crazy. Now, for power. Yeah. So now McCarthy allegedly was going to look into Senator corruption so these two guys are essentially blackmailing yeah. um, Senator Hunt. And now McCarthy is like, I'm going to be looking into Senator corruption, specifically into police bribery about how senators might be bribing police. Because remember, yeah. these two senators go to that cop and yeah, they're like, like, were you paid off to drop yeah, this yeah. charge? So this is now another threat Jesus. looming that perhaps, perhaps you were involved in some police bribery. So he doesn't name Hunt, but he kind of says this. And Hunt isn't stupid. Right. Right. He kind of sees the writing on the wall, like where all of this is heading. Uh, so the suggestion is that yeah. it was Hunt. Yeah. So when the 1954, so the son is arrested in 1953. So 1954 election season rolls around and Hunt was expected to run for re-election because he's this very popular senator. Right. He's doing no really re- well and yeah. all of this. But he decided not to. Obviously feeling pressure from the blackmail and you know, this is conjecture, but I don't believe the guy stepped out willingly. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm just not going to run. Obviously all of this stuff has something to do with it. And according to a Boise state article by Mark Johnson, just a few days. So this is a bit of a trigger warning here. um, Just a few short days after making um, his announcement that he would not seek reelection hunt went to his Senate office on Saturday, June 19th, 1954. And according to Ben Starro, he placed photos of his kids on the desk in front of him, sat down in his chair, and shot himself with a twenty-two caliber rifle. Motherfucker. And he died soon after. God damn it. Yeah. So. So? Hold on a second. I know. What the fuck is this? I know. 
Can you imagine? Awful. I mean. Awful. He, so one of the stories even says like he's carrying this rifle in and he's got all these papers with him and he's like going How up the elevator and he hands that? the rifle to someone to hold so he can like adjust his papers. They give it back. Like they're not thinking like he's going to go. This is, inc- it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's really. Pictures just, of his kids. I mean, I Jesus Christ. It's, it's horrible. These motherfuckers. So Johnson wrote that a reporter, Drew Pearson, alleged in an article, like, after this happened, that Styles Bridges and Herman Welker were behind the blackmail and that their threats led to oh, the oh, suicide okay. of Lester Hunt. Good. Which was huge, right? Like, this is, like, a huge... That was written huge, at the time. It came out shortly after. Okay, okay. Right? Good. So, you know, there's no uh, charges filed, oh, nothing. Well, you know, because what, that? like, yeah, you well, know, but even that they blackmail... Right, yeah. there's alleged, like... It just is awful. However, I found this really interesting and it, it doesn't change what happened. But in 2013, Casper Star Tribune uh, reported that a mock trial was held on Hunt's suicide. And it took place, this is like almost 60 years later. And they looked into the case and they considered the following charges because they're like, okay. right? Yeah. Like even it's what a mock have, trial, what could have happened? Yeah. And they looked at blackmail, causing bodily injury, aggravated blackmail in terms of the suicide mm. and the sentencing. So the mock trial found Styles Bridges guilty of, of blackmail. I mean, it's obviously too little too late, but the fact that they were like, let, let's like, this is this thing that happened and nobody acknowledged the role that these other people did in using this person's son, right? And, and, and demonizing homosexuality, like all of this stuff, like it's, it's so horrible. So the aftermath. So Johnson reported that Washington is shocked by the death. So again, when he first, you know, died, they were like, oh, it's because of when he first like announced, like, I'm not going to be running. He was like, I'm having health issues is what he said. Mm. So people were like, Oh, just assumed something. It was they, something that else. it had to do with the health issues. That was because of a health condition. And in fact, one New York Times uh, headline read quote, hunt takes life in Senate office. Wyoming Democrat fires shot through ba- brain kidney ailment is blamed. Mm. Like that was the headline. Yeah. And I was like, God, that's a pretty traumatic head. I, I don't yeah. know if the, we would have a headline like that today, like mm-hmm. shot through brain. I don't know. But because it's the 50s, no one wanted to talk about right. what really happened. Oh, and according to the Casper Star Tribune, the Wyoming history books used in schools, like, and this is like still sort of current, uh, notes that, quote, on June 19th, 1954, Senator Lester C. Hunt, overwhelmed by political and personal problems, committed suicide. Mm. And it's like, no, he had all of this pressure from these other people surrounding him. And it's not that it's it's a misconstruing the truth. And which is why we need to have, we need to just be honest with people about what happens in our history. Yeah. Well, what's this story that's going around now? I I know I'm going to say the 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 Tulsa Tulsa massacre. Yeah. Everybody, it's all I'm seeing stories of, and I'm not familiar with it, but I'm, I will become familiar with it. Right. But it just reminds me of every fucking story that you've done on this podcast is the, like, or like the one I did with the Philadelphia yeah. bombing and the, and the Grove and four, I mean, four all and, of this. and the one, the Wilmington massacre. My mom was talking about this Tulsa one. I go, have you listened to my podcast? I know you haven't because <laughs> I, we, the, the Thibodeau, yeah. um, these are, this is part of our history. And, and the fact that people online are like, I can't believe we don't learn about this. Yeah. That is one of right. 
thousands and thousands right. of stories that and, you're never going right? to know and about. And now we have states passing laws yeah. saying that we can't talk about these That's things. Right. We can't look at this history. Give right. me a break. Right. Give me a break. And so these fragile. I don't know. I mean, think about what, what the world would be like if we had actually learned those things. It would be so you know. different. So McCarthy's reputation suffered. And according to Hunt's U.S. Senate page, McCarthy was censored like after this because, you know, he was like sort of, you yeah. know, with like the trials and all the stuff. So it wasn't just because of what happened with Hunt, but that sort of like, I think was the threshold. Yeah. And so due to his assault on freedoms and all of this was sort of the beginning of the end mm-hmm. for this paranoid reign of McCarthy. Yeah. And he dies about three days later due to alcoholism because Whoa. of liver failure. You know, like he oh, was. Jesus. Yeah. So some points of interest, um, I read an NBC News article by Carly Schweldewitz that made some interesting assertions that this incident and the failure of the whole story not coming out along with the lavender scare is an example of how McCarthy delayed the gay rights movement Mm, because all of this was like tied together. And I thought that was really interesting, like the demonizing of these folks, sweeping everything under the rug, perpetuating the false narrative of what mm. was happening with Hunt, instead of talking about like, look at what they did because of this. But I just thought that was interesting that it was oh, like, no, this is like another is. thing, like Definitely. slowing things down, you yeah. know? Um, in 2015, Senator Tammy Baldwin, who was the first openly gay uh, lesbian member yes. of Congress, along with Lester Hunt Jr., demanded an oh. investigation into Hunt's suicide and the blackmail plot that Uh, may have led to it. Senator Baldwin had this to say, uh, as cited on the Mattachine Society of Washington, quote, shockingly, there is no evidence that a formal investigation into the death of a sitting senator was undertaken. While decades have passed since this tragic incident, it remains a troubling example of the misdeeds of the McCarthy era and the role of homophobia and bigotry has played Mm. in the history of our nation, including at the highest levels of the federal government. Yes. So I was like, wow. I mean, you know, like it needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. That Um, Mattachine Society has been, that was one of the first like underground, almost gay gay rights groups that was starting and would secretly meet to have all these conversations, but... (sighs) Incredible. Yeah. Uh, Lester Hunt Jr. appeared in a documentary called Uniquely Nasty, where he discussed uh, his arrest and his father's death. And the documentary explored the government's anti-gay crusade of the 1950s. And so he has like, they interview him in I there. How how horrible that must have been for him. Thinking oh my God. That this had something to do with his arrest and it was his fault. Like, I uh, mean, he oh, must have the, carried it's that. It's terrible. It's awful. Terrible. Um, I found this bit uh, pretty awful. The New York Times, because, you know, I, I, you find all these articles about, like, the, when it happened. So at the time, the New York Times reported on the services for Hunt. So there were two t- senators that died. Hunt died of suicide, and then this other senator died of a heart attack. And so they did sort of, like, this service for both of them where senators spoke. Senator Bridges, one of the blackmailers. Wow spoke at the service about Hunt and said that Hunt was, quote, a man who demonstrated the best qualities of an American. He was loyal and he served well. And I was like, what an awful, like, you're going to stand up there and say these words when you, like, did all of this stuff that pressured him potentially into committing the act of why he's dead? Like, how dare you? Piece of shit. How dare you? Well... Oh, the hypocrisy. It's so gross. And the nerve, the nerve. They get blinded by this like idea of power and having like, what can they do if they have this one more seat? Oh my God. Look at what they did. Look what they did. And what's worse is Bridges 
in his home state of New Hampshire, a highway is named after him. The governor's oh, house yeah, is course, named after him. And course. it's like, you know, we need to rethink this. We need to say, you know what? Maybe we, we yeah. need to change the name. Yeah. But please, you know, people you know flip what, the hell out. What pisses, what really is, is interesting to me, though, is too, is like, this is what we know that he did. What right. the fuck else is going on? Right. What are the things we don't know? Oh, yeah. About any of these guys. God. Styles or Bridges. Women. In 2016, uh, Gene Vordowich wrote a play called Hunt that covered this incident. Roger McDonald wrote a book on the incident called Dying for Joe McCarthy's Sins, the Suicide mm. of Wyoming Senator Lester Hunt. And just a day after his death, I, I thought this was just so sad for the family. But the New York Times reported that Hunt's brother, a rancher named Clyde Hunt, had taken his own life two years prior oh with the 22 God. caliber rifle as well. Oh, my God. So I'm God. like, this poor family, like his brother has committed suicide. Now, two years later, he like, it just made, it was so sad. Like, this poor family, this poor family. So... I know it's a downer, but I just thought it was important. It's Pride Month. Like, that, we had to, yes, like, kind of... Tina. Hooray. Uh, so that's the story of the suicide of U.S. Senator Lester Hunt of Wyoming. Mm. Can you believe that? And I feel like they're to blame. You know, I know, like, everybody okay. has yes. a choice. Everybody has a choice. But, you know, the time period, the pressure, you How know... How could they think that they're not to blame? If you had not come to this person and the sun had just gone off... Right. What the fuck are you He would still be doing? alive. What do you care? Yeah. No. It's for power. It's for power. That is the end game of all of this. Like we talked about for the first 20 yeah, minutes. It's, but it's disgusting. It's unfortunate, but people will do anything to keep it. It's human nature to stay on top. And it's really, it's a particular human nature that I don't really fucking care about. What do I care about power? I'm just finding it interesting that these Listen, people will do anything They will takes. do anything. Like just, can't sell, we just all live? Sell their constituents down the fucking river for it. Right. I mean, it's just, in, it's incredible. It's incredible. And they, think, and they think that nothing is ever going to come of it, too. Like, that's the other part. No one will ever do anything about it. The guy, they named fucking the, the governor's uh, mansion after him? Give me a break. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you about... Ooh, girl. Ooh. Hold on, let, me get the, let me fix this mic so I'm not slamming it down the whole time. Now let me get comfortable. Hi. Hi, Hi everybody. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, honey. Mm. Okay, I'm going to tell you about former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens. Oh. I had to spell that out the way that you're supposed to say it because <laughs> I don't want to fuck it up. Okay, so Eric Greitens was born April 10th, 1974 in oh. St. Louis, Missouri. He was raised in his mother's Jewish faith. His father was Catholic. He graduated from Parkway North High School, and he was raised a Democrat. He um, was an... Angier B. Duke Scholar at Duke University. Does that sound, am I saying that right? You probably don't know. I don't I know. I thought you would know scholarship yeah. nonsense. Where he studied, <laughs> not nonsense, you know. It's, uh, I, know it's, I know, I know. Where he studied ethics, philosophy, and public policy and graduated summa cum laude. Did I say that summa right? Summa cum laude, yeah. Laude. Oh, thank you. Before graduating from Duke in 1996, Greitens was selected as a Rhodes and a Truman Scholar. Ooh. He went on to attend Lady... Uh, Hall, a constituent college of the University of Oxford, where he earned a master's degree in development studies in 1998 and a doctorate in 2000. Dang. Very impressive. G guess who graduated magna cum laude from college? Guess who? who? Guess. The Teddy, the dog? Oh, Tina. Oh, oh. Tina did. Oh. Hey. <laughs> That's hot. Uh, Greitens is a former senior fellow at the Harry S. Truman School of Public Affairs at the University of, of Missouri. He is a sub-three-hour marathon runner and a winner of the Shamrock Marathon at Camp Fallujah in Iraq. I wanted 
to tell Barefoot Lobo that, but he's not here today. Oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) A boxer, he won two Oxford University Boxing Blues and the gold medal at the British University Sports Association's National Boxing Championships. So boxing, running, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get into the armed service. Yes, yes. He's an all-around Serving our country. Yeah, wow. All-around. All-American. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. He taught public service at the Truman School of Public Affairs and was an adjunct professor of business ethics in the MBA program at the Olin School of Business at Washington University in St. Louis, which is, again, is a very nice school. That's a very good school. Yes. Yes. He uh, enrolled at the universe at the sorry at the United States Navy's Officer Candidate School in Pensacola, Florida, in January two thousand one. Oh. Graduating in May of that year as an ensign in the United States Navy Reserve, he then be- then began basic underwater demolitions or SEALs training in Col- in Coronado, California. Graduating with with class two hundred thirty seven in February two thousand two. SEALs training is it's intense. Tough, yeah, tough, tough. tough. I've seen GI Jane. <laughs> <laughs> and wanted to shave my head afterwards. Uh, Greitens rose to the lieutenant, to be a lieutenant commander in the United States Navy Reserve. During his active uh, duty career, he was deployed four times to Iraq, Afghanistan, the Horn of Africa, and Southeast Asia. He was the commander of a Joint Special Operations Task Unit, a Mark V Special Operations Craft Detachment, and an Al-Qaeda targeting cell. Busy. Uh, yes. During that six-month tour on March 28, 2007, two suicide bombers detonated trucks carrying chlorine gas at the Fallujah government complex where Greitens and other military personnel were sleeping. The attack was the seventh chlorine bombing in the Al-Anbar province of Iraq by al-Qaeda. Greitens was among about 15 who were wounded. He received a Purple Heart after sustaining injuries from the bombing. He was awarded the Bronze Star and the Combat Action Ribbon during his service. In 2011, the Association of the U.S. Navy named Greitens its Naval Reserve Junior Officer of the Year. He He has criticized the Veterans Administration, saying of the employees, quote, even if you're only 40% disabled, they'll give you 100% disability in some cases. You have to think about the incentives of government workers. Guys in the VA, guys in the VA don't get paid to help veterans lead productive lives. Their metrics are, are on how many people sign up for benefits, end quote. Okay. okay. He feels such overuse strains the VA system and prevents vets from reintegrating into general society. Probably not. Probably there's probably some truth to that. Right. I'm not gonna, you know, I, I don't know, but also I feel like I feel like vets uh, sometimes aren't given the benefit of the doubt no. that they actually can't function. No, they have, and they, this is just they, assuming people are using the system, which is not true. No, just, maybe these there's are people a couple, who but, served their country. Yeah. Who, you know, many of them, if they actually served in combat, yeah. have a range of issues that yes. Not everybody's as strong as you are and might not be able to reintegrate. And that's what the system is there for. And they have, they have given their life. Yeah. Right. Or, or given up years of their life to serve a country on the condition that these are things that you will get. If you serve, you will get, you know, the GI bill, you will get, you know, help with this, help with that. So sorry. Yeah. Well, that's what's, you know, he's not for that. Oh, okay. okay. So in 2005, <laughs> in 2005, 
Greitens left a full-time active duty to take a one-year White House fellowship. Appointed by President George W. Bush, he worked in the Department of Housing and Urban Urban Development and developed a new program to assist with rebuilding efforts after Hurricane Katrina. The university's Rebuilding America Partnership, a $5.6 million effort to engage architecture and engineering students in the continued effort to build New Orleans. He simultaneously remained in the Navy Reserves, leading a program that recruited high-level advisors for special military operations around the world. During Greitens' time as a White House fellow, he co-founded the President's Higher Education Community Service Honor Roll Program. After his fellowship, he volunteered for a six-month tour in Iraq. So that's when he goes Mm. to Iraq in October 2006. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, so after returning from Iraq, he uh, used his combat pay and the disability pay of two of his friends to start um, a nonprofit called The Mission Continues, whose goal is to, quote, challenge veterans to serve and lead in communities across America. Okay. Okay. So it encourages veterans to heal themselves. Heal themselves. Through public service by engaging in volunteer organizations across the country. Okay, I like again. That, we're I back like, to that same. Yeah, thing. but I like the idea of hey, getting in your community, serving as mentor. You know, yes. I think that like like being part of the community. I think that's lovely. But they heal themselves. Like, it's also assuming that that, that people mean, are like you, right? You know what I mean? Not it's, everybody can do that. It's a blanket thing. Like maybe you're mentally healthy after going right. through all of these things, but, but other not, people might need some more help except yeah. volunteering. Right, and and they may have different experiences in war yes. and combat than you did. Yes. Okay. And they so, have served like back-to-back tours and, yeah. you know. Lost their families right, when they came on. home, et cetera. Come so on. So he stepped down as CEO in July 2014 and resigned from the board of directors in 2015. As CEO of the Mission Continues, Greitens worked without a salary from 2007 to 2008. And later on, he was compensated between $150,000 and $200,000 as a CEO. In early 2015, Greitens, who was a Democrat in his early years, wrote a Fox News editorial announcing that he had become a Republican. Oh, he said he had been raised in the tradition of Harry Truman and had been had even been recruited as a Democratic candidate for Congress, but was pushed right. Right word. Mm -hmm. After seeing the Department of Veterans Affairs fail to help many of his brothers in arms, he recalled being angered by at how the Democrats only solution was to spend more money on the VA. Oh, my. He said, quote, the problem is that most Democrats seem to think more money and bigger government are the solutions to virtually every single problem. End quote. I I cannot stand Uh this big government thing because the people who are big government Mm -hmm. are the people who are stripping away all of our rights. Yeah. Which is the Republican Party. They want to stay inside of my body. I don't understand. rules about my body. Right. I mean, voting, education, like... Keep telling the, telling businesses, I mean, state of Florida, telling a cruise ship that you're going to be fined five thousand dollars if you tell people that they have to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. But we don't want government shouldn't be involved in business, but yet they're involved in everybody's business. Get uh, out of uh, here! By the way, I'd like to get say out something of here. else to you. My mother uh, just called. Well, she called me this week because she knows she got to tell me about DeSantis every day. <laughs> she told me that he that the state of Florida just posted jobs for people to be in, to inspect. Trans children. No. That's what she told me. <gasps> now, have I inspected, have I looked for the story? No, I have not. I'm going to, she said, that's what I'm doing as that, soon that, as we finish Those jobs recording. have been posted. So remember when we said that? that yeah. That is in the law that they will inspect ch- children they have uh, suspicions about. I'm looking this up as soon as Please. this podcast is Because over. when she told me that, I said, Mom, I have to go. I wanted to vomit. I was at my desk. How about, like, how about he signed that bill on the first day of Pride? Of course. At, Why at, are we all surprised at, he's a monster? At 
a Christian private school. Of course. He's a fucking monster. Nothing about this motherfucker should be surprising to anybody. We got to get him out. The only thing that's going to be surprising is when he re- wins re-election. <laughs> we're all going to be going, how did this happen? Oh. Because we're not prepared and we don't have a... Okay, hold on. I got to keep going, Tina, because... I'm sorry. I, we're going to keep going. My head's on fire. So he um, said he believed Democrats no longer had the right ideas to stand up in the, to the middle class. So on September 26, 2015, Greitens announced his candidacy for governor of Missouri as a Republican. This man has wow. never, never held sat, office. Never sat in an office. This is my favorite part of the whole story. I know. It's like, this is incredible to like, me. Like, run for a commission seat. But the, think about his temperament and who he is. He's an egomaniac. But he's also, like, incredibly driven and very right. bright. Like, right. super intelligent. Well, he probably you figures, know, well, I worked with the, uh, on go, housing and urban. He's got this yeah, background, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's also just to go, like, just to go right for Boom. governor is just incredible to me. I love this. Like, I love it. He's like, I'm honest. not going to get, I'm, what, what, I'm the not going to take some little, little no. seat. Yeah. No, not, no, you're right. That's exactly what it is. I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm going to run for city yeah. council. Fuck this. I'm out. Yeah. He's going for the big guns. All right. I can, I'm here for this. I kind of like yes. that. But uh, <laughs> he scares me on every other level, but like, that's <laughs> fucking amazing. Shortly after June 30th, 2016, quarterly deadline filing for campaign contributions, he received the largest ever single contribution in a Missouri campaign. $1.975 a <gasps> $1 million. From who? Which, which he which meant he did not have to reveal it until October, months after the primary. So, you know, there's a there's a period there where, you know, you What can, corporation gave right. him this money? Well it wasn't a corporation. So the source it was a person? The source was a previous was previously unknown super PAC called Seals for Truth. Oh God. Okay. So Seals for Truth had received the oh. money from the, let me get through this because this is how this folks, Oh, so it's funneling, 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 funneling. That's right. This oh. is how we elect this is how the money flows and it does this also happens on the democratic side right. so do oh, not yeah, be yeah. do not be surprised that this democrats do this as well of course so seals for truth had received the money from um, the american policy Co- coalition or apc another super pac on the same day that apc had received the money this all these transactions happened on june 30th so like this is from so one pack to the other to the other right in one fucking day yeah, so they pl- no, this is planned million. this is planned yeah so um, Greitens had assured voters he intended to increase transparency while reducing corporation oh. and state politics as a campaign focus. So APC, APC um, about which there was almost no information online, was headed by Ohio lawyer David Langdon, who had incorporated it in Kentucky in 2015, all around like the same time, right? I don't like these super PACs, P.S. Oh, no, no. Get rid, get, get rid of them all. away. Get rid of them all. Between the 2000, only because I don't see one. I mean, is there one in Florida? That's well, by the way, Ron DeSantis already has like $21 million oh. in one quarter, by the way, to get reelected. <laughs> and we were just bragging that the Democratic Party raised $2 million in three months. And he literally has $21 million in his war but, chest but, in a quarter. But guess what? We have seen that money doesn't always right. win elections. <coughs> Bullshit. We got to okay. get on the ground floor. Between, between the 2010 election cycle and early 2015, you know I believe in you. Okay. I believe in you, Tina. Okay. But that's, that is insane. I know. We need and money. I'm, I'm going to. And I know we all want to go. Everything's going to be fine. I think no. I'm going to pass out. No, we need, we need, <laughs> so we need about a billion dollars to get the state back. Sorry, but we do. Um. So between the 2010 election cycle and early 2015, at least 11 groups connected to Langdon spent at least $22 million on ballot initiatives against abortion and same-sex marriage and on 
on, oh on federal and state elections God. around the country. This was tabulated by the Center for Public Integrity. So on March 12, 2017, and this is who's giving him money um, right. to Greitens. On March 12, 2017, the St. Louis Dis- Post-Dispatch and the Kansas City Star editorial boards published a joint editorial criticizing Greitens for, quote, secret fundraising and secret spending, end quote, and for tactics such as ordering that, quote, security staffers block reporters from getting close to him, end quote. Uh huh. So Democrat turned Republican Greitens faced Republican turned Democrat Chris Coster in the general election on November 8th, 2016, and Greitens won with 51.3% of the vote. On April 28th, 2017, the Missouri Ethics Commission fined Greitens campaign $1,000 for violating state campaign ethic rules regarding campaign disclosure, and he did not contest the fine. I mean, why would you? You just received $1.9 million, $1,000 fine. Here you go. Yeah. Who the fuck cares? It's a drop in the bucket. Okay. So the first year, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about his first year, and then we're going to get into the major fucking terrible, awful thing. So uh, he took office on January 9, 2017. His first two executive orders banned employees in the executive branch from accepting gifts from lobbyists and froze all new regulations through February 2017. He remained opposed to accepting federal Medicaid expansion in Missouri. Come on. You know, poor folks don't need that. But guess what? And those are the people who voted him in. Yeah. But I'm sure. A, he, I'm huge, sure. Huge Trumper. Huge, yeah. huge Trump fan, by the way. In November 2018, a statewide referendum put heavy restrictions on lobbyist gifts, virtually banning them. I mean, I'm not I like really that. against that. Yeah, I'm yeah, not against I like that. Good. That's yeah. good for me. On February 6, 2017, Greitens signed a bill making Missouri the 28th right to work state. So, in well, response, we live in a right to work state, yeah. so we know the, response, the fear of that. It's this. It's, it's such yeah. crap. You would get rid of unions. Come on. Yeah. But in response to that, unions that opposed the law filed a referendum to overturn it, and on August seventh, two thousand eighteen, Missouri voters voted to overturn the right to to work law. Can we do this in Florida, please? Oh, we we. we you please? mean organize? Ah, <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> you're funny, Tina. Um, in oh. June 2017, Greitens, this was a big deal for him, the foster care system. And I think it had to do with his wife, Sheena. She was kind of involved in, in making sure this all happened. But in June 2017, Greitens signed Missouri's first foster care bill of rights, which outlined specific measures to design, designed to improve the safety and quality of life of children oh, in Missouri's foster care system. In October 2018, Greitens ordered that Missouri children in foster care no longer have to pay $15 to get copies of their birth certificates, which oh, maybe on. doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot for some people. This move was hailed as removing a key obstacle for many to apply for driver's licenses, jobs, and higher education. Uh, quote, for the children who are involved in the system, it's everything to them, said Colleen Pollock, who is a director of legal services for Voices for Children in St. Louis. In November 2017. That's good. I love that. That's great. Yeah. In November 2017, Greitens appointed 27 advocates to the Child Abuse and Neglect Review Boards, Children Trust Fund Board, and Missouri State Foster Care, uh, Care and Adoption Board. Many of these boards had been unable to operate because no one had been appointed to them to make quorum. Oh my god! Which is incredible. You had to make quorum yes, to, to, to make decisions. Change yes, like, do you think? But nobody was doing anything. There was nobody on those boards. So all of these things weren't nothing. And was these happening. poor kids. No, oh this god. is all great. I, yes. I mean, anything that's going to help kids, and especially in foster care, yes, yes, because yes. we hear of so many abuses. Oh my god! 
Forget that about happened. it. So in December 2017, Sheena Greitens announced that the administration's children, his wife, children's division had enrolled in a new National Council for Adoption study of foster parent recruitment and retention. Its goal was to find ways to be to, to, to more effectively train and support foster parents. Amazing. Wow. Sheena Greitens also distributed over 3,200 books in state storage Missouri's, to Missouri's foster family, uh, families and foster children. She then announced that Missouri had joined the National Electronic Interstate Compact Enterprise, a multi-state collaboration designed to make adoption and fostering across state lines easier. Oh, this is all lovely. Amazing. Oh, wonderful, wonderful things. Right. So something that's near and dear to our hearts. Uh-oh. Uh, reproductive health, right? So abortion. <sighs> now, I'm going to tell you this after because I just told you all these great things. But the reason, let's be honest, that he cares about this adoption system is because he fucking hates abortion, right? So we're going to force women to, and young, young women and, and girls, right, to uh, carry to term. And we're going to make these awful laws because now we've got this great, why wouldn't you give them up for adoption? Look at this great system yeah, that we've now what? created for you. Like carrying, a ba- like they just we're act force like, you they to do act this. like carrying a baby is like the simple thing. It's, it's not. No. It's not. And it's trauma. It's trauma. When you're forcing. Yeah. Okay. Let's just all be clear. That's our, that's inside of our bodies. And I know yeah. men will never understand they that. They won't understand that. And, uh, so abortion. Uh, Greitens called a special session in 2017 to pass anti-abortion legislation. So special sessions are called, the sessions, legislative session is yes. over. And then they call And something. the governor's like, everybody get back, get your asses back up yeah. here to the Capitol because I've got something to say and I've got something I want you to do, right? So here they come, all the way, they'll come back. He went on a statewide tour with formi- former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee and said, quote, we had some radical politicians in St. Louis who passed legislation to make St. Louis an abortion sanctuary city where it would make it illegal for organizations like Our Ladies Inn, which is some group, and other pro-life groups just to hire pro-life workers. So we're out here to protect pregnancy care centers, end quote. So, by the (sighs) way, I am here for that. I am here for making every fucking city in this state, um, what did he call it? an abortion sanctuary city, right? Yeah. They need to be safe places. Right. Just like they're immigrations that right. have, we have immigrations that are sanctuary cities for immigrants. Right. It, it Why should... can't we have that? I know that Sabrina Javiana right. has done this in Halland. Yes. But, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is it should just be legal. And, and wh- right. We, but we, since we shouldn't states, have a need for this. But the state is passing these awful laws that the right. city or, you know, elected should be able to have. Right. To be able to protect women. The in home their, rule. Yes. Create home rule where they can protect women and those state laws do not right. touch women who live in these cities. And uh, if she's able to do it in, in Hallandale, why we can't do, we do it, it all over. Yeah. Why can't we do it in Fort Lauderdale? Right. Um, it, it is, this is incredible to me. Yeah. So the bill that he had there also required that doctors explain the risks of abortion to a patient 72 hours before performing an abortion, called for annual inspections of clinics, added new whistleblower protections for clinic employees and heightened requirements for pathologists who provide services to abortion facilities, right? Wow. So making it difficult for all of these folks to actually meet the requirements to run an abortion uh, Facility, a clinic. yeah. Okay. Executive Director of uh, NARAL Pro-Choice Missouri, Allison Dreth, said the session was, quote, political theater, right? Like, this, this is all for something yes, else. It's not, they yeah, don't care about they don't women. Care. Listen, they don't really care about abortion. They don't really care, you know, they, they, this is about appealing, because this is coming out of the, the Trump mm-hmm. presidency. This is about appealing to 
a base of people who are going to keep you in your seat. Yeah. That's all this is about. Like you said in the last story, power, power, power. They don't really care. No. Because they're going to they're gonna drive their daughters right. wherever they need to go. Oh, fly. Fly them, yeah. whatever it is, so that they are taken care of. Yeah. Right? This is just about maintaining power and, and it's just a, it's, it's the political football. Yeah. Give me a break. Um, on July 26, 2017, Hypocrite. Greitens signed HCS SB5, a wide-ranging anti-abortion measure, into law. Missouri Right to Life said, quote, we are especially grateful to Governor Greitens for calling the special session and for his support of this pro-life legislation, end quote. Get out. And uh, NRLC state affiliated affiliate called the measure, quote, one of the strongest pro-life bills to be passed by the Missouri legislat- legislature in many years, end quote. And then I go back to this quote that the girl you talked about at the beginning yeah. who, who used her, her time and her, her, her moments yeah. to, to say this thing. That's how important it was to her. Yeah. The impact this will have on generations to come is just, it's, it's going to be, it, I, to those of you who love a woman or have daughters, uh, you better start looking out for them. And I'm talking about you guys with pen, the penis, people with penises, start looking out right. for women because you have no idea the impact this will have on our lives. It's a, it's 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 devastating. It's, devast- it's it's incredible to me. It is. It's and it's. We are it's in twenty twenty one. And when you listen to that girl, uh, Paxton Smith, I think it was. Her yeah. name, when you listen to her give that speech, there's a fear in her voice, and it's yeah. not from I'm going to get in trouble for giving the speech because right. obviously she didn't give a fuck. Thank right. God. The fear that women have to live through, and we are not allowed to experience pleasure, which is what sex right. is. Um, we are not allowed to enjoy that. If you're in those moments and you're doing everything you can to make sure you don't get pregnant. Now they're right. limiting the way you get birth control. Right. You got to pray it's, to God this condom doesn't break. Oh my God. But you're not allowed to experience life. And, and, that and is they don't, a pleasure of life. Right, and they to don't enjoy your body with someone and to be in those moments. Those, that's part of our lives. And, right. and, and we are, that is now, that is also now taken away. That is not allowed. That, that's what they're limiting. Right. And is, when, they limit, when they limit access love. to sex education. Right. You know, like, I'm sorry, but young people have sex. Like, that's what they do. Yeah. And, and you can't just say abstain, abstain, abstain. That, no. That's not the reality. You need to teach them how to protect their bodies. Yeah. You know, not just from pregnancy, but just to be ha- learn how to engage uh, in sex in a healthy way. And, but it is also, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, There's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't, but there's also sex education, but there's also a political, um, uh, intelligence that has to happen if that's, if, if that's a thing, but like my daughter, because my husband and I are on two opposite sides of the fucking spectrum and we have fought their entire lives in front of them about politics. Although the last few years, I don't give a fuck, whatever. Uh, she said to me the other day, I don't want to be political. I'm not going to join a party. I'm not going to. And I was doing the dishes and she's telling me this from the couch. And she was so, you know, strong in her opinion. And I looked over at her and I turned the water off and I looked at her with my soapy hands. And I said, you better get fucking political. I didn't right. say the F word, but I said, you better start getting political. And she looked at me like with this face. And I said, because every aspect of your life is controlled yes. by it. Your every landlord, law. your landlord. <laughs> Yes. Is going to be political. Your the person who takes care of your money at the bank is political. Your schooling is political. Yes. Your body is politicized. And you better start paying attention. So maybe not now you're little, right. you're twelve. Right. But you better pay attention and get political and figure out where you stand because wherever you identify sexually, your sexuality is fucking political. Everything is political. So don't Stick your head the in the sand you because eat. you don't like the mommy and daddy arguing about. Yeah, I said the air you breathe, yes. the water you drink, 
the taxes you're going to have to pay. Start paying attention. So yes, it is. It's about our bodies, but it's so much more than right. that. Because believe me, the powers that are in charge of all these things, they're fucking political and right. they're fighting and they're spending tons of millions of dollars to hold on to, to, limit to make these laws. And to restrict what yeah. you can do. So start paying attention. Right. Like get involved in how more people aren't involved. I don't fucking understand. They're you always getting involved too late. You know why? Because they, we are all, everyone is consumed with, you know, staring at their yeah. phones. You know, it's true. Like, you know, like yeah. everyone is just preoccupied with other stuff that doesn't matter. Like what they're more concerned about, like what's happening with the Kardashians than yeah. what's happening in their city. And not Kardashians like the podcast that we love. Yes. No, <laughs> the Kardashians and their big asses, which I'm a fan of, obviously. <laughs> obviously, I love a big ass. But like, oh, this is incredible. This is too much. It's too much. No, get your kids involved. Let them know what's going on. Let them yes. know who these people are. Get the fuck. All right. I, 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 let's get into it because we're okay. at the, we're at the peak. Here we go. Okay. Because you know, Mr. Handsome, everybody loves me strong as fuck. Yes. He's got problem. He got a problem. You want to hear about this problem? I do. And it's awful. There's a trigger warning. I'm telling you right now, this is awful. So oh God, two trigger warnings. Okay. On January 10th, 2018, ahead of an investigative report released by St. Louis CBS affiliate KMOV the same, that same evening, Greitens publicly disclosed that he had engaged in an extramarital affair with Ooh. his hairstylist in 2015. Oh. Okay. Seems fine, right? People have affairs all the time. Fine. Yeah. Who gives? Who fucks? Who fucking cares? Greitens and his wife issued a joint statement in which he acknowledged the affair and called it quote, a deeply personal mistake and said that, quote, we dealt with this together honestly and privately. Okay. It's, and it's says their, that's their marriage. Their business. Their business. I don't give a fuck. Just stay yes. out of my body, motherfucker. Yes. Go fuck anybody you want, except <laughs> it wasn't like just an affair, right? Like there's awful, like traumatic physical assault <gasps> here. So I'm what? just giving you a warning. Okay. So KMOV played a recording on their newscast made by this hairstylist, then husband, in which she said that Greitens had invited her to his home where she consented to having her hands taped to exercise rings above her head while she was undressed, after which she was blindfolded, right? So she, okay. she gets there, okay. he tapes her They're heads doing, up, she's naked. But she consents her. She consents to this. Okay. In the recording. Wait, so you said husband. She said that or the husband? She reco- Her husband recorded her statement. Oh, okay. okay and then okay, they, okay. the news played her, okay. the recording. In the recording, the hairstylist added that while, and I hate just saying hairstylist, but her name's not out there. Right, so. right. No, no. For her protection, yeah. it's fine. So she said that she, while she was blindfolded. Oh, gosh. Greitens took, took pictures of her without her consent. Oh, no. And threatened to share <gasps> them if she ever went public with the affair. Okay. So again, we, we right. know where he stands with women right. anyway. He doesn't right. fucking care about So them. basically he's like, I want to hook up with this chick, but I'm going to protect myself. And it's he's a said, power. It's, it's all it's about power. power. Yeah, no, no. He wants so to control. She, he wants she, to control. Yes. This whole this. situation. Yeah. So, which does not sound different from his personality that we know so far. So she alleges that Greitens told her, quote, you're not going to mention my name. Don't even mention my name to anybody at all, because if you do. I'm going to take these pictures and I'm going to put them everywhere I can. They are going to be everywhere. And then everyone will know what a little whore you are. End quote. The woman tried to leave, but reported to a special investigative committee to, on oversight of the Missouri house, which happens later on, um, that Greitens pulled her into a bear hug and quotes and said, quote, oh, wait, and then she said, quote, so that she was now lying on the basement floor crying. 
She further testified that Greitens then coerced her into performing oral sex on him, <gasps> after which he per- permitted her to leave. Oh, God. The woman it's also disgusting. testified to the committee that in a later encounter, Greitens slapped her, and that in their final encounter, he smacked her and then grabbed her and shoved her down on the ground. And Greitens denied the blackmail accusation. Oh, but, but he course, did everything else. I mean, he doesn't get into detail, but he, of course, said that there, there was an affair. Right. But he says he never took pictures. He never blackmailed her. After initially not commenting on the question his, about the blackmail, his attorney appeared to deny that any pictures were taken. In an email, he wrote, quote, no violence, no picture taken, no threat of blackmail, end quote. Greitens also denied taking any photos, like I just said. Um, after Attorney General Josh Hawley's office said in a statement that it did not have jurisdiction to look into the matter, the circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis opened an investigation into the blackmail allegations. Okay. On January 20th, 2018, CNN reporter reported that two unnamed sources alleged that the FBI was inviting, uh, investigating Greitens. Following its usual practice, the FBI did not confirm or deny the existence of an inquiry, of an inquiry and the sources could not confirm whether the blackmail allegations were its focus. In response, Greitens' attorney, Jim Bennett said in an email that he and his colleagues had not seen any indication that there was an FBI investigation underway. Bennett added that he, that they saw nothing worthy of an investigation and that quote, governor Greitens has not been contacted at any time by the FBI. And we are not uh, aware of any interest by the FBI end quote. Mm. So on January 22nd, 2018, because of the local circuit attorney, who's now going to investigate uh, a St. Louis grand jury indicted Greitens on felony invasion of privacy charges. He was released on his own recognizance and waived his first appearance. On March 26th, the judge denied defense motions to have a bench trial rather than a jury trial, refused to dismiss the assistant prosecutor, and then kept the jury trial date as scheduled and re- refused to dismiss the indictment. Mm. So he's going, he's going to court, right? On April 9th, 2018, Fox News reported that the woman who, with whom Greitens had the affair testified that she could not say whether she saw Greitens with a camera or phone on the day he allegedly took the photo as Greitens had blindfolded her, right? So she's up there. She's taped up. She's naked. She's vulnerable. Oh she's scared God. out of her fucking mind. He blindfolds her and says, I'm taking pictures of you. She never saw the pictures. pictures she doesn't oh. know he was telling her these things so right. now she's on the stand and this is their and they're evidence. like did you see like, the pictures of yeah, how, how like, is she supposed to see them right like did he take pictures did you hear a camera did you hear it's a cell phone right there so no there's clip. no what, evidence what, what year are they thinking we're in right but there's now there's so really there's no evidence so now, of that. yeah this it's is just, just circumstantial yeah that he said these things to her right they can check his cell phone mm. there was nothing there's no evidence oh, unless he had like a burner phone <laughs> Maybe he probably had a burner phone. And burner phone. You know, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, Tina, where do you even get a burner phone? You could get a burner Gas phone station? anywhere. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to use a burner phone. How? What's the scenario where I could use a burner phone? Well, Let's just get burner phones well, and call each other. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of a scenario. Oh, so like if you were in Linda. Uh, uh, Thompson Gonzalez and you found oh, a yeah. brick of cocaine <laughs> you could have your burner phone and then you could start making some deals and it would yeah. never get back to you <laughs> they remind burner phones remind me of the wire that was a huge right. part of one of those seasons oh it was so it's just good. all the uh, every true crime podcast yeah, like yeah, the yeah. person always has like yeah. the burner phone that burner no one phone. knows <laughs> oh my god I love it so um she, so the court records say that the woman told prosecutors, quote, I don't know if it's because I'm remembering it through a dream or I'm I'm not sure, but yes, I feel like I saw it after it happened, but I haven't spoke about it because of that. And so she's now, now she's like, you know, she's traumatized for fuck's sake. But now the jury's going to hear that doubt. Yeah. 
So in pre-trial depositions, William Tisseby, a former FBI agent who assisted St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner with the Greitens investigation, affirmed to defense attorneys that he had taken notes during his interview of the woman. After the interview, the attorneys pressed him to turn over the notes. He changed his testimony and asserted that he had not taken notes during the interview. Video footage initially withheld from defense attorneys, but later tendered to them, showed Tisseby taking notes during his interview with the woman while in Gardner's presence. So all these things are happening during the, during the trial. But why not turn the notes over? Like what, what, I don't know. What's, I don't know. Unless really he was just never... like making a grocery list. Like, yeah, yeah, lady. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's doing something How else. How awful would that be? Yeah. I oh mean. Oh my God. So. Like, what? It both, doesn't make sense. I know. But because of all of this. Unless he lost the notes. Maybe. But because of all of this, both charges were dropped in May 2018. So prosecutors oh. withdrew the felony invasion of privacy charge on May 14th, this 2018. After investigators failed to find the alleged photo that formed the basis of the charge. The circuit attorney referred the case to a special prosecutor, Jean ba- Peters Baker of Kansas City. Baker declined to refile charges, though, citing the statutes of limitations and insufficient evidence. The Kansas City Star confirmed that at the conclusion of Gardner's and Baker's investigations, evidence of an alleged photo was never produced. Um, and on May 18th, 2018, Cole County prosecutor Mark Richardson announced he would not file any additional charges against Greitens as suggested by attorney general Howley related to how his gubernatorial campaign reported the receipt of a charity donor list used for political fundraising. So let's go back to that, right? <sighs> like remember that he had gotten all that money. And so there was an invest, the house right, up there started right. to investigate him. There then comes this special investigation from the House. Now they're going to look into all of this, right? And they interview this woman and everything else. So several Republican members of the Missouri House of Representatives called on Greitens to resign after the allegations were made public, which I find incredibly interesting. This is them going after their own. Now, he gets these charges dismissed against him. Why? Why yeah. would they still go after him? What's the deal there? They, there's something. We see this very rarely. We saw right. it with um, Blagojevich. Right. He, he was so hard to work with in, right. in Illinois that the Democrats in the Illinois House and the Senate were so fucking annoyed with Blagojevich. He was such right. a pain in the fucking ass that when all this shit came out about him, they're like, they're like, bye. Yeah. Oh, guess what, bitch? We're starting indictment. We're yeah. going to start, you know, um, impeachment hearing right. on you. Get the fuck out. And he took the plane back to Chicago. Remember oh, that? my God. <laughs> or wherever it was. Springfield. He get, went back to Chicago on a, one more time on that jet. Um, um, but the same thing here, like they come after him, which I find in- interesting. Right. I don't know. You never really see that with Republicans. Um, Howley, who was, um, he was the attorney general. He was also running for the U.S. Senate at the time, called the situation very grave. Like maybe that was it. Maybe he's running for office and he's got to take a stand yes. against the governor, right, uh, for his political gain. So Illinois Governor Bruce Rahner, a Greitens campaign contributor and ally, called on Greitens also to resign. On April 11, 2018, a special investigative committee of the Missouri House of Reps released an initial 24-page report detailing allegations deemed, quote, credible against Greitens by this hairstylist with whom he had had an affair. The report testimony details how Greitens took many prosecutions precautions to hide their affair including making her change clothes and leave all her belongings in his kitchen and of course then tried to blackmail her to, to secrecy about the affair with this alleged photo um Greitens also was also physically and verbally abusive according to the witness the stylist accused him of unwanted kissing and sexual touching violently slapping and spanking her and coercing her like I said, into the performing oral wow. sex. Um, in a four-page report issued on April 30th, 2018, the committee chair, Republican Representative Jay Barnes, said it found that the Greitens' defense claims that the woman's testimony was inconsistent was groundless. Ooh. 
So, wow, they're really, yeah, they came after him. Yeah, good. They came after him. Good. Someone. Yeah. Um, on May 3rd, to that, like, I'd love criminal charges, yeah. but I would guess we can I take just, what we can get. This whole, like, statute of limitations, like, they need to change oh, this yeah. with rape charges. Oh, I, I feel like, why, why does or, it have to end? Like, it was child molestation, yeah, same thing. It's like, oh, oh, five years passed, so I guess it doesn't count anymore. Yeah. I, I don't, that's not right. I know. On May 3rd, 2018, the Missouri House and Senate collected enough signatures from members to call a special session to consider impeachment. Mm. House Speaker Todd Richardson, a Republican, said 29 senators and 138 House members, more than the three-fourths required in each chamber, supported convening a 30-day special session. Wow. So he sees the writing on the wall at So this they'll point. impeach this guy, but they don't want to impeach the president. Okay. Yeah. It began on <laughs> May 18th, the last day of the regular session. On May 29th, 2018, Greitens announced that he would resign effective June 1st, 2018. Bye. Yeah. Pressure. He didn't want to go through all that. No. Um, well, he's a control guy. Yeah. You're so right. this is yes. going to control. Like yes. he is going to say, I'm uh, going to step down because he doesn't want them to do it. Yeah. So how about this? The St. Louis prosecutor's office had made a deal with Greitens that if he resigned, it would withdraw the felony charges for using the veterans charity email list in his campaign. Cause remember he had all that. So I guess it's, so it's charity. better for them to, to just get him out of office than to try so. to like, I guess incredible I mean I, right? get, I get it yeah they just want him gone so yeah there has to be something else that we don't know yeah that was going that, on that's going on that maybe he's just like not working or not doing what they want him to do yeah I'm or th- maybe even they have somebody else in mind that they just want to get him out to have another some you know what I mean and and maybe he has eyes on something else and or maybe a who clean, knows? have someone in there with a more of a clean slate but I mean I don't know because I mean there's people that they leave in and they like that are yeah. You know, equally bad to this guy. That's true. So there has to, I think you're right. There's some. Something's going on. Something's going on that we don't know about. Um, on, on December 31st, 2018, the Special Investigative Committee on Oversight that was investigating Greitens release, released its final report. The St. Saint, Saint Louis Post-Dispatch reported, quote, documents and testimony show that Greitens ran an off-the-books gubernatorial campaign in 2014 and 15 and lied about his campaign's acceptance of a charity donor list from the Mission Continues that, that, nonprofit that he founded yeah um in february 2020 after nearly an 18 month investigation into greitens 2016 gubernatorial campaign the missouri ethics commission quote found no evidence of any wrongdoing by him end quote but required the campaign to update its reports with in-kind contributions from two groups and to pay the commission about a $178,000 in fees mm. in a statement greitens called the result wow. an exoneration and vindication um, Greitens spoke publicly for the first time since his resignation with Fox Two St. Louis Chris St. Louis's Chris Hayes on February thirtieth, twenty twenty. He claimed that the investigation result of quote false allegations made by a lawyer politician, presumably the state rep Jay Bar- Barnes, right. who had filed the initial complaint. Um, Barnes had publicly accused Greitens of running a quote criminal enterprise and having committed a literary fraud relating to a book that he had put out that Greitens had put out called Resilience. Oh <laughs> my god! A fraud, which I is like the that. Best. Um, so final thing is, uh, oh, on March 23rd, 2021, no, Eric Greitens, no, announced, no, he is, no, running for, come on, U.S. Senate in the 2022 election cycle. Come on. A disgraced, disgraced governor. Why? Resigns from office. Why? Running for Senate. Well, no. Yeah. That's, um, that's what we do here, Tina, at the muck. I made a TikTok about it. (laughs) Oh my God, Tina. Tina is so much. Tina wants to get into this like promotion of 
of the muck. Yes. And she's like, this is something I'm thinking about. And she sends me these two like <laughs> TikToks. I was laughing so fucking hard. And then I just wrote her back. I'm like, Tina, what are you doing? What are you doing, Tina? She's like, it will help. She gives a whole paragraph of how much it will help our podcast. And I was like, girl, she's like, we can do this. We can do that. I'm like, you're going to make TikToks. Like I'm oh, not getting on Oh my this. God. It was really funny though. They're so stupid. It was, I know, but it was so funny because I was like, what is Tina doing? It's a great promotion. Yeah, it was so great. All right. I loved it. Well, well we got we to get, get ready for our Bobby DeBose. I'm yes. so excited about Me this. Me too. Well, that was a long episode, but a lot of it was just us stopping to tell everybody how terrible Florida is yeah. and how terrible politics is, which is why we're here anyway, <sighs> right? Are and we thank here God, to talk about yeah. how bad it is? But thank God for low muck, because hopefully yeah. there might be some light. I mean, I hope. tell you what, it's depressing. It is. It's scary. And it's scary. It's scary. I, I, it's scary. I, I, like I said, I read that Atlantic article and it's called, if you guys want to read yeah, it. What is it? It's called what's happening in red states. It's watch what's happening in red states mm. and it's in the Atlantic. It just highlights all of these crazy bills that are going yeah. uh, through on the state level. It's, so. Is there any safe place for anybody left? I mean, what's safe? Where? A cave somewhere? Like where are we Vermont? <laughs> I mean, we'll hell, freeze let's to go. Death. I, fine, I'll freeze. I we'll just... freeze with Margaret. Oh, yes. <laughs> make room in that RV, bitch. Does it have a heater in there? Because um, I can't take it. It's too much. It's it's on every every aspect of it. It's just so, it's so upsetting. Yeah. And if your life's already depressing and then you add that in, it's like, why am I doing? What are we doing? <laughs> what am I what doing? What are we doing? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.